Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve long success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the show this week. I am excited, as always, to be here and love that people listen to the show live in so many different time zones that I have to say good morning, afternoon, and evening, and of course on podcasts. I never know where you are or what time you're listening or if you're in your car or your home, wherever, but thank you so much for subscribing to the show on your favorite podcast platform and for rating and reviewing it because it really helps us get found. And I love, love, love your emails and your social media responses um, and reach out telling me what you learn from the different guests I have on the show and how it has shifted your perspective around a lot of things that you're going through because that's why this show is here to help you learn new questions to ask and help you shift the way you think about things that you do every single day. And to help us along with that process today, I've got an incredible guest for you. But I do say that every week, don't I? I love having my guests. I think they are so unique and so special. And today I've got Mari Frank. She is an attorney out in California. But, you know, for those of you who are local, Vero Beach and Sebastian, just two years ago, she came here for a visit, so she knows our local area. But what Mari's going to talk to us about today is something that I think is so critical not only in business, but in life. We're going to be talking about negotiation. She is a lawyer, a mediator. She has appeared, gosh, on so many national TV shows and in papers talking about these topics. And we're going to be talking about negotiation and mediation and privacy. So, Mari, welcome to the show. Finally, yay. Yeah, and Laura, it's so wonderful because I had you on my radio show and you did a fabulous job. So this well, is really fun for us to it, do this together. It, it really is. You know, and it's so funny, like when you had me on the show and I was talking cyber and privacy and things like that and, and the power of questions, having the mic turned on you for a change, isn't it kind of strange? Yeah, it's fun. It's really fun. And it's a chance for, for me to answer questions instead of ask questions. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, I, I want to talk about negotiation. And I, I also want to talk about privacy and some different things around that today as well. But one of the things you are so known for is something that when I work with my clients, they seem to struggle so much with, the idea of negotiating. And it's not just women who have trouble negotiating. I, I've encountered a lot of men who as well have trouble negotiating, but it seems like women struggle with it more. What is it? about negotiation that's so critical in our lives and our businesses? Well, we use it all the time, and I, I like to share with my students that the word negotiate really comes from Latin, and it means not at ease. <laughs> and when you don't have a deal, you're not at ease. And so people feel a little uncomfortable when they negotiate instead of realizing that it's an opportunity to really um, – you know, to change the way they think, to change and enhance whatever deal that they're trying to make. By negotiating, we're going to expand the pie, so to speak. So I think people, men and women that you're talking about, men have, you know, historically been in the, the business world, you know, negotiating, you know, business 
Um, and women in the past have stayed home. Now, of course, women are out in the working world. You and I have been working for many years, and we've had to learn to negotiate. Really and truly, my most challenging you know, negotiations really are with my husband <laughs> because it's most difficult to negotiate with your family, your children, your teenagers, but we do use it all the time and the skills and tools that we have to help us are the same, whether it's in a major multi-million dollar business or with your teenage daughter or son. Well, you know, it's interesting that, that you said that because most people tend to think of negotiation as an adversarial process and that somebody loses in the end, that it's not just about compromise because even in compromise they say somebody loses or everybody loses because nobody fully gets what they want. But that's not really what negotiation is all about. Is that a correct assessment? That's perfect, Laura. What I call it is a mutual gain. Okay, so some people say win-win, but really and truly when you talk about winning, there's always that thought of losing. And, what, and I've been mediating now, which is a facilitated negotiation, for 33 years. And if you want a deal to really work, you have to meet the underlying interests of both parties. You may not get what you start out asking for, but you have to get something you can live with. And if at the end you can shake hands and say, you know, I can live with that, and the other party says, yeah, I can live with that, then we're, you know, we've got a deal that is lasting. It's going to be workable. It's not going to fall apart. If somebody forces you into an agreement, you're going to be under, you're going to have underlying resentment, and it's going to mess up. So it has to be something that I'm giving up something, you're giving up something, I'm gaining something, and you're gaining something. And when we do that, then everybody feels good about it. When you're negotiating to put the business together with someone, you know, you're very positive, you're excited. But when some glitch arises and you have to negotiate that conflict, that is a, like a higher level of negotiation. But it's the same tools, which I'm happy to share with you. I, I would love you to share that with me. I have one question before you do that, though. Okay. A friend of mine just got back from a cruise, and she wanted to buy a piece of jewelry at, you know, one of the ports that they get to, you know, and the guy starts right. out, it's $300, and she's like, no. And then by the time she walked out and came back, the price ended up being $100. Right. And a lot of people think of that as negotiating. Right. And, and I, that's, I, the, I, that's I, the one-time thing, you know, like when you go to a flea market, right? you're going to negotiate at a flea market, unless you're going to go every week and you want to continue to have a relationship with that person, that's when you start out higher and then you banter back and forth. And, you know, that's, that's that kind of when you're buying a car, you're bantering back and forth. But, but the reality is, is that it's going to be a better negotiation when you do, maybe when you're buying that jewelry, you find out about the family, you find out who made the jewelry, what I negotiate with in Mexico, which I speak Spanish fluently, and I love it, and I get great deals, 
but when I negotiate, I find out a lot about the person that I'm negotiating with. If they made the product, if they made the jewelry, um, where did they get it? What, you know, tell me all about their family. I'm going to get a better deal because they're going to like me and I'm going to like them. So that getting that $100 on a $300 thing, you know, especially people who walk off of a, a cruise, they know that you have money and a lot of them don't. <laughs> So, um, so they're going to ask higher, and then you're going to banter back and forth, and that's the game. That's one type of negotiation. The other kind of negotiation is when you're going to continue to have a relationship with someone, you you don't want to have this thing like, oh, I got it for a hundred dollars, I you know, <clears throat> and the person might feel ripped off or something. It's a, it's a totally different thing when you're going to continue to have a relationship with someone. Okay. Do you always have to negotiate, though? Let me give an example. I have a, a client who has, he's a, a high-end photographer, and he appears at shows and different things, and people constantly want to negotiate down the price. You know, it's like, oh, I should get a better price. Is there a time when you just need to hold firm and yeah. Yeah. Not, not negotiate? Now, I'm a lawyer, so I have a retainer agreement, and I have my prices in there. Now, that doesn't mean that if I, if somebody calls me and my heart goes out to them, and I know they are in a situation, a dire situation, that I'm not going to lower my price. But basically, especially when you put something in writing, the photographer puts it in writing that this is my, these are my fees and these are my costs. Of course, you're going to do that. That not some things are your policy, some things are your price. So, you know, unless you're at a flea market, you know, people understand that you're not going to negotiate your price. Sometimes you can negotiate other things, like um, if if you really want to use this photographer for your for your pictures for everybody in your office, and you could say, well, look, can I get a better price if I have you do 15 people instead of one? Now that that's fair. That's fair. But yeah, you can you can stick to it. But if you want to get business, sometimes you will negotiate. Sometimes you'll negotiate. It won't be the money, but you'll negotiate something else. Like I'll do two for one. You understand what I'm saying? So yeah. you can negotiate. But yeah, there's times you don't negotiate. There's people will call me and say, and I know that they have the funds, and I know it's going to be a, an expensive case. So I'm going to say, here, my retainer agreement. Here are my fees, and I don't have to negotiate. And sometimes I will. All right. That's a great setup for you now sharing us your tools. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I, I, I love acronyms, Laura, because I, that's how I remember things. And I even have bookmarks with all my acronyms. So when I do a speaking engagement, I give out these bookmarks so people can remember if they didn't take good notes. Oh, I love so, that. <clears throat> yeah. So, you know, um, and when you talk about questions, wow, questions, open-ended questions are the key to negotiation. But let me give you the, um, the, the word powers, which gives you powers, which gives you the power in negotiation to get a good deal that's going to meet your needs. So P for powers stands for preparation. Well, if you want to have a good negotiation, you better know the facts. You better know everything about the person you're negotiating with. So I, I call it the CPR of negotiation, to breathe life into your negotiations. And that is, 
you better know the content. Like if you're negotiating with somebody about a new car, you better know exactly what that car costs and you, you know, go online and find out everything you can about the car. Or, you know, um, how is it rated with consumer reports? What are the features? You want to go in there really knowledgeable, right? Everybody right. buys a car and they know what a hassle that could be. So C stands for content. The second is procedure. When am I going to go buy the car? Well, if I was going to be going to buy a new car, I would go the last week and probably buy it on the last day of the month because I know that they want to get rid of it by the last day of the month because they have certain quotas that they want to meet and there's going to be those commissions that they want to get by the end of the month. So my procedure is when, who, what, when, where, how. Who do I want to negotiate? Do I want to negotiate with a person uh, on the phone who talks to me a little bit about the car or do I want to go to the fleet manager or do I want to go to the manager? So I want to know who, I want to know what, and I want to know when. And then finally, relationship. You know, I, I'm a very um, fervent negotiator, but I am so nice. I am so nice that people want to do business with me. And it's, it's not just a tool. I really enjoy people, and I enjoy negotiating, and I enjoy finding out about people. But when you build a relationship with someone, they're more likely to do more for you. It's like you wash my back, I wash your back. So it's content, procedure, and relationship. And you have to go ahead and prepare all that ahead of time. Find out as much as you can about the person that you're going to be negotiating with. Find out all that you can about the product or the service that you're negotiating with. And, of course, content, procedure. What are you going to do? Like in my negotiations, you're going to love this world. I always have food, always have food. I always have some wonderful aroma in the room. Um, I set up soft music in the background. When I have a difficult negotiation, I make sure that I start out with a real positive ambiance so that people, when they come in, I tell them, I know you've been in a lot of conflict, and today that's over with. We're going to get a deal that everybody can live with. So that is setting it up. And I'm preparing before I get there, and then I prepare when I finish. Okay, so that's P. The second one is O, options. Did I think ahead of time, and can I brainstorm with my negotiating partner a lot of options? So if they say, well, I think we should do this, instead of me saying no, I'll go, oh, that's one option. How about this option? And then we go back and forth with options that may work, and we keep tweaking them until everybody can live with them. The next okay. one. Okay, so wait. Stop, keep... stop there. Yeah. Okay. So, so preparation, second options, then W, worthiness. Okay, wait. Before you go on to worthiness. Yeah. Yeah. I, a, a couple of questions around, around the options. Is and probably by the time you get done with the WER, we'll, we'll ha- you'll probably have answered this, but it's just yes, popping okay. up into my brain now. When you're talking through the options before your negotiation and everything begins, this is one of the things I love because it's all about questions, right? You know, like what right. is another option? What's another option? Well, if we went down this road, where can you go with that road? Before you begin your negotiation, is it important to know 
the outcome you want or the one you're willing to settle with? Is that part of the options phase or is that somewhere else? Yes. That's, that's part of your strategy, which is a whole other thing that I have, a strategy you want to, when you're preparing, you want to, you want to say to yourself, where, where, what is my bottom line on this? Where, do, where would my optimal solution be and where is my bottom line? The challenge is you go in with that, but you also have to be flexible enough because you may come up with something better. So if you if you plan ahead with your options, like, well, I can live with this, I can live with this. If this doesn't work, I can live with this. So you have kind of a series of options. And if you've done your homework, you kind of know where the other side is, right? You kind of right. know where they, what they want because they've already told you what they want. So you, you have an inkling of what will be acceptable to them. So what I do when I'm preparing for a negotiation, I say, this, this would be optimal. If I can't get them to do this, how about, you know, I write down, well, how about this? How about this? So I come prepared with a lot of options, but I'm not stuck to them. So that's a great, great question. And then when I get there, I'll go, when I say, what about this? Uh, or how do you feel about this? What, what do you like about this? When you talk about questions, it's all about the questions. Right. You want to always ask these open-ended questions like, what's most important to you? in this negotiation. What, you know, um, what, what does, what is it, what do you need to feel that your needs are met? Okay. Um, how can I work with you where I can get my needs met? So it's like who, what, where, when, how, how are we going to do this? What, how, where are we going to do it? If it has to be something like even negotiating where you're going to do the negotiation. So that's why I remember the things that we learned as kids in, in school in English, who, what, when, where, and how. Those are the best questions. And then another question would be, tell me more about that. It's really not a question. It's an open-ended um, inquiry. Tell me more about that. How do you feel about that? So for true negotiation right. to happen, both parties or however many parties are involved in the negotiation have to be right. willing to be open to possibilities. Right. So if someone feels that that you they don't have that you don't have any leverage and they have all the leverage, part of your preparation is to find that leverage. So someone might say, Well if we can't get a deal, um, I'm going somewhere else. I'm gonna get another photographer or if we can't get a deal, um, I may have to sue you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. You need to think ahead of time, what is my leverage? And if you can't think of anything, then you kind of have um, an issue for yourself. So let's say you're trying to negotiate a new job, and you walk in and you've prepared. You know everything about the person you're going to negotiate with. You, you know what the, um, what the salaries are in, in your community for that particular position. You've done that research. Uh, and let's say you really are desperate for a job. You're desperate. You know, you, you were laid off and you need another job, and you feel like, oh, my gosh, I have no leverage. Well, you do have leverage that you maybe didn't think about, like what skills do you have that they need, okay? And if you want a higher salary and maybe they can't start it out, maybe you build into the negotiation 
well, I'll have a performance review in two months, and if all is well, then I get a whatever percent uh, raise to be commensurate with what I was earning before. So even if you can't get more money, maybe you can get more benefits, or you can leave early on a Friday, or you can come in earlier and leave earlier so that you can be there for your kids at the end of the day. So you always have leverage and ability to negotiate, but people forget to expand the pie. It's not always money. Lots of times there's other things. What's most? You have to ask yourself, what's most important to me? And some of it might just be, I just want to have more time with family. Well, if, you know, maybe I'll take less uh, money if I can change my hours to be available with the kids. So it's all up to what's important to you when you're pre- preparing options. I, I think that's so critical for people to really get, Mari, because I've just seen this so often in negotiations when I had my tech company, when I consult with people now, and, and even on the radio show, going through life, my divorces. I've had two divorces. If you don't know what you really need, Right. And you can't negotiate from any position of strength. Right. Or even know if you're the negotiating. Preparation is, is, is the most important tool. Right. Because you're asking yourself questions like, what do I really need? If you're getting a divorce, you know, what what is it that I really need? Well, I really need my kids to, to have, um, you know, stability. So I don't want to have a horrible knockdown, drag out fight. I want to mediate so that my kids are not ruined for the rest of their lives. You know, so that's that's really part of your preparation. What I always ask myself for any negotiation, what is the most important thing for me? My underlying interest, my need. And that drives everything, right? Yeah. It it does, but yet it's a question that so many are unwilling to ask themselves. And I, I never under I can't understand why it's a question we're so unwilling to ask ourselves. I don't know if we don't want to confront that answer or we think that the answer we're going to give ourselves is something that we can't live with. But if we don't know what we really need, then how can we ever achieve anything? Yeah. And you're so right. They don't think about it. But I, I know the reason why they don't do it a lot okay. of times. Because I've it? been mediating with, with, you know, business people and divorce and everything, and I, wa- I see what happens. Someone will come up with a position, and they'll say, I won't take any less than $250,000 for that. Absolutely won't. And they get so married to their position. And I, sometimes I have to ask them in a caucus, I'll say, would you rather be happy or right? <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes they say, I'd rather be right. You know, yeah. so that's the thing. If you if you get in your position and you say this is my position and I'm never changing from it, then you close off any possible possibility of getting a deal that's going to be a mutual gain. You know, I want people to feel good when they leave. That hey, I got I I may not got I may not have gotten everything I wanted, but I surely got everything I really needed. And so when I'm in there and people haven't asked themselves that question, what do I really want? I'll say, well, like, I'll say to them, what is it that's really most important to you? What is it that you really want? That's a powerful question for if you're in a negotiation to ask the other party. 
people will say to me, I, yeah, I'll see this in mediation, they'll say, I don't want this, I don't want this, and I don't want this. And I'll go, great, what do you want? And then I have, there's silence in the room, Laura. <laughs> All right, well, it's we're, so we're, funny. We're, we're getting ready to go into the national news, and I just think that is, I'm laughing and you're laughing because it's so easy. I mean, I laugh at myself. It's so easy to say what I don't want. But when I try to write what I do want, it is so hard. So I'm going to challenge all of my listeners, Mari, as we go into the national news. Name one thing that you truly want to happen in your life and in your business. Just name it, write it down. If you're driving your car, please be careful. Don't write it down while you're driving. Maybe dictate it to somebody else or have your passenger write it. We'll be right back with more from the amazing Mari Friend. Welcome back, everyone. I'm here with the amazing Mari Frank, and we've been talking all things negotiation. Mari is, um, you know, a highly respected attorney who has appeared in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Dateline, 48 Hours. I mean, name it, she's been there. Mari has even spoken at the White House. And I, Mari, you know, I love what we were talking about before the national news break. You were going through one of your acronyms about negotiation, and the acronym is, the word is power, and we talked about the P and the O, preparation and options. Let's go through what the WER stands for, because negotiations are such a part of our everyday life, but we don't think of them in the way that it we really need to be thinking about them where we're understanding what we need in our lives, what we need for ourselves, and also what the needs of the person on the other end of that conversation are. So let's go through the rest of it. Okay, great. And I just want to mention before I go to W is how important, and I'm so glad that the name of your show is it's all about the questions because the most powerful tools in negotiation are great open-ended questions. <laughs> that gets you the information you need because information is power and power. If you've got the information, you can get a great deal because you know what they want and you know what you want. So questions are critical. Okay, so we talked about P was preparation, O was options. Now we get to worthiness. And I always think about that old adage, you know, where you see somebody who looks real sneaky and sly and you say, and there's the 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 tagline, would you buy a used car from this person? I was just thinking that. I had that picture (laughs) of that used car salesman. Yeah, yeah. and that goes to the word worthiness. Uh, Are you worth negotiating with? And are you trustworthy? Are you dependable? Are you credible? Are you honest? And do you have integrity? So, you know, I mean, we all know people that we would – feel good about negotiating with because we know they do, you know, especially in my field, you know, everybody in the community of Orange County, California, we know who are straight shooters and who are liars. And so when you have someone on the other side in a, in a lawsuit and you know that that person is going to lie to you, you are going to, it's going to be a lot tougher. You're going to have to prepare a lot more because you're going to know that they're not going to tell you the truth. And so I've had people in negotiation that are not trustworthy. They're not honest, and I know it ahead of time. Or I trust in tiny little increments. I give a little bit of a test, 
And if they pass it, I give another little puff and they pass it. And then that's really important. So if you are in a negotiation, you don't have to show your entire hand, but never lie about when you're asked about something. So you could say, well, gee, you know, um, that's, that price is too high. That's fine. But um, if, if you say something like, well, um, I bought that yesterday and it was such and such and it's not true, then you're going to get caught. So it's really important because I, I will do better with someone that I know is trustworthy, right? We all want to negotiate with somebody who's trustworthy. So you, you have to say what you're going to do and then do it. And if you don't do it, there's some, you know, factor why. A good example was like I, we kind of dropped the ball with getting you some stuff that we needed, but we had this craziness, which you knew about later, of all these changes that we had in our office when we changed our phones and we changed our 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 cop communications to ATT, everything. So, you know, if you can't do what you're supposed to do, you immediately tell somebody why and let them know so that they don't discount your credibility. So it's okay. very, very important that you, you say what you're going to do, you do what you're going to say, and you are um, trustworthy and credible. And if you're not, that's going to mess up your negotiation. You're not going to get what you want. It's not going to last. People are not going to like you. And the, your reputation will ruin your, your negotiations in other places as well. Okay. So what's the E? So the E is enthusiasm. So if you say, oh, well, um, I want to do this business with you. Yeah, <laughs> no one is going to want to do business with you. You have to be part of your preparation is to figure out why are you excited about this deal that you want to make with somebody, or what is it that um, that you can get enthusiastic about settling a dispute about what you want. So you, that shows your commitment to a mutual gain and a satisfying solution. You say you walk in like I told you when I start out with the mediation. I'm excited that you all came here to to get a solution. We're going to do solutioneering. So go in with a positive attitude and your enthusiasm that you're going to get a deal with this person. It's going to it sets the mind tone. You know, it sets the tone for the entire negotiation. We're going to get a deal. We're not going to make. I just had to do a negotiation with someone that was a little bit challenging, and I had food. I had brought him over to my home. I had food. I had music. I had said, I know we're going to you know, be able to work this out, and we did. So that's um, enthusiasm. Okay, and, and you're not going to always be able to set up your negotiating environment in the way you'd like to with food or music or whatever. Sometimes you have to go to wherever they, the other person is. So then how would you display your enthusiasm or set that up if you have to go to them so the perception could be they have a they have more leverage or more power right. in there, that? That's such an important point because if I go some I, I usually try to have people either as a mediator I'm the neutral. So people will come to me. If they say I want you to come to my office, I pretty much try to talk them in to coming to my office because I know that people will feel um, that it'll be one-sided, you know, if, if it's in their office. So I always bring people to my office as a neutral. 
But if somebody wants me to negotiate, I will often say, well, let's go for a cup of coffee and negotiate it. Uh, so I try to make it a neutral ground. And when I do a negotiation, I set up the chairs in such a way is that people are not face-to-face, but rather side-to-side as much as possible. So that's part of my preparation for my procedure. But you're right. You don't always have that that ability, but if you're going to someone else's place, you can bring them something. You can bring food. You could you could come in and say, I know we're going to get a deal. You come in. Even if you um, cannot uh, you know, be in charge of where the negotiation is going to be, if you feel you're going to be offset, go early. Try and ask people you know, to set up the room a little bit differently if possible so that you don't feel like you're in a place that that is going to be detrimental to you. Come in with the positive attitude of, I know we're going to get a deal. Come in. Even if you've had a conflict before, you might say something like, you know, I know that we've had challenges before with each other, and let's put that aside and start over and try to find out a little bit about that person. Some way that you can start out with a compliment, like, gee, you've got beautiful offices, or thank you for doing this in the morning instead of the evening. Um, You know, think of something ahead of time that you can start out and build that positive feeling because if people are angry when they meet, they're in their uh, amygdala part of their brain, which is a fight, flight, or or flee. You want to bring them back up to a positive way, any way possible, and that's the enthusiasm to show a commitment to work together. Finally, R, yeah, finally, R is relationships. And that kind of is a a dovetail from enthusiasm. Build a bridge of understanding and respect. If if I don't respect the person uh, that I am negotiating with, maybe they've lied to me, it's very hard. It's very hard for me to you know, really negotiate with them in a way that I want to give them what they want, even if I don't need it. In other words, if I, I might feel a little bit more like I don't want to give them anything if they're nasty, right? Right. So we want to build a bridge that, uh, of understanding, and if it's very important that they respect me. So I, I will do everything in my power to act in a respectful manner to them, even if they are nasty. You know, I had one mediation where I had five attorneys and their clients, and one of the attorneys, you could tell he did not respect women. He talked down to me. He talked down to every woman that um, was in my office, (laughs) and um, I didn't buy into it. No matter what he did, he said, we'll never get a deal. And I said, well, the proof is in the pudding. Let's see what happens. You know, um, we're going to try and get a deal that your client's going to be happy. And he just went on and on. And he goes, um, and then we, we had to end and we were setting up a negotiation for the following week to continue. He goes, you'll never get a deal. And I go, well, I, I know that's how you see it. Let's, let's hope that we can so that you can get paid quickly. You know? <laughs> So um, yeah. we finally did get a deal, like two weeks later, and um, and and so 
he then said, you know, I never thought we were going to do it, but you did it. And he, he kind of, in his own nasty way, said, well, you got the deal. You know, but he didn't say, hey, thanks or anything like that. But I, no matter how he treated me, I continued to treat him with respect. So at the end, the relationship was positive. We shook hands and everything was good. So, um, All right, let's talk about that a little bit because often, and especially in TV and movies, negotiations are always presented as adversarial. And even in mediations, I've been through mediations with my business where somebody, uh, I had to take somebody to court because they owed me a lot of money and they're like, they don't owe me money. And we're about to go into court and then they pulled us aside and we ended up doing a, a quick mediation instead and we resolved everything. But how do you, when you're in a negotiation, okay, when you're in this adversarial, she said, he said, I want, they want, and no matter what, somebody is just so stuck in something that they're going to be angry. How do you recommend that my listeners let that go? Say they're the one who's angry or they're the one that has negotiated in good faith, but this other person is still just beating them up over it. Right. Well, one of the keys is to listen. Even And and this is what I do, and I kind of have a little visualization that I listen as, as intently as I can. I ask them, tell me more about why you're, you know, feeling stuck in that situation, or tell me more why you are in that position, okay? And people like to talk and tell why they are. So I take copious notes. I look at them, but I take notes at the same time. And and I say, tell me everything that you're feeling about that. Well, that is a way for them to express and have you understand where they're really coming from. Now, they may be yelling at you. They may be putting you down. They may be telling you it's all your fault, right? Right. And you have to prepare yourself. That's why the P in in powers is so important. You have to know ahead of time, which you probably do, that they're going to be like that. They're going to be a total jerk. So you have to prepare yourself that no matter what they say, you're not going to react with a knee-jerk reaction. You put, I put like a golden shield around myself, and I just say to myself, no matter what they do, I'm not going to react. Because if I react, I am going to lose all my power. Okay? So that is what I do. And then I say, okay, this is how you're feeling. I, I really want to know all about this because I want to understand where you're coming from. And I let them talk and talk and talk and talk, and I don't interrupt them. When they're done, I say, is there anything else? After they've done that, then I've gained so much information because I wasn't thinking while they're talking. I wasn't thinking about, I don't believe that. I don't agree with that. I didn't, you know what I mean? I was just like this open sponge. Just because I listened does not mean that I agree, okay? It does not mean that I agree. Then afterwards, I don't even have to say I don't agree with any of that. I can just say, well, let me let me go and talk about these issues. 
you said this. Am I correct? Yes, I said that. Okay, so help me understand why you said that. And let me let me share from my perspective. So if if I really listen and ask and and also repeat back what they said, reframing. So if they said something nasty to me, like "Oh, you're fat," da 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 da, da so I'll say something like, "Well, I heard you say that you were concerned when I did this." Okay, I heard you say that. Um, when you repeat back what they said, they feel legitimized. And they are going to be more open to hear you. It's not easy to do because we all want to defend ourselves. It is a, it is a tool. If you think of it as a tool, it's a skill to not react no matter what they say, no matter how they attack you verbally. Now, sometimes if they continue to attack you verbally, then you say, you know, I, I feel like this isn't working right now. Let's take a breather. Let's make an appointment to talk about this tomorrow or something like that. When, when, when someone is in their fight or flight or freeze mode, it's going to be hard to get them to get to their executive functioning in the front of their brain and to be able to think. So take a break. If I'm in mediation and somebody gets hot, I have a bell that I ring, and then I say, okay, everybody, let's just take a break. Everybody go to the bathroom, go get some water, whatever it is. I, I don't, I, I stop it in a positive way. I don't just say walk out of the room or hang up on somebody. You, you say, you know what, we're, we're having a challenge now. Let's take a breather and come back. And then you start again. So that's how I deal with difficult people. And believe me, Laura, when you're an attorney and people are angry because they're in a lawsuit or they're in a divorce, um, they're angry. So I deal with people all the time when they're in conflict. And that's what I do. And it works. It is not easy until you make it a habit not to engage in the craziness. How long did it take you to be able to do that, or was it just something that you were born with? Oh, I wasn't born with it. <laughs> I'm, I'm a passionate person. So I, I, in my first marriage, now I'm with my husband 30 years, but in my first marriage, oh, man, I had a slick tongue. <laughs> I was pretty darn articulate and could say what I thought. And I have that, I learned that that does not get me what I want. It will never get you what you want. There's an adage that says, Speak when you're angry, and you will say the best speech you ever regret. <laughs> and I, <laughs> yeah, it's and so true. Does that it is. So I, you know, I said to myself, do I care about myself enough that I will stop, you know, bite my tongue and stop and just force myself to listen, even if I don't want to. So it's like anything else, like riding a bike, driving a car. You practice that skill. So now when that happens, you know, it's easier when it's people that are not my family. If, if you know, every once in a while with my husband, if he says something, um, I, I start, I have started to lose it because I'm a human being. I'm still in this body. I'm not perfect. Um, but then I catch myself right away. 
And I go, oh, God, you know, Lord, I'm really sorry. Um, I, I reacted. But I, I never let it go, even if I, if I lose it for a second. Or I'll say, you know what, I need to take a break here. Um, so it is not, I, that's what I'm saying to you. you aren't, some people are born with it. They just, it's not me. I wasn't born with it. <laughs> I, I had to learn how to do it. And they are the, those people who can do that are the best negotiators because they get to the underlying needs of that person. Now, it's really hard if you get a narcissist. Wow. Um, and those, that they will do everything they can to blame you. And it's your fault. Yeah, and I have a friend going through a divorce with a narcissist right now. Yeah, and, and that's, yeah, well, I may have to do some coaching with you. <laughs> because it is a real rough, rough way. You have to just let them talk. But if they go on and on and on, and they can't stop because that's how narcissists are, then you just say, you know, I, I would love to negotiate with this, you with this and work it out with you. Let's do it when we both agree that we won't attack each other. I always make it we both because they never want to be the wrong one. So I will then say let's both agree not to attack one another. Let's both agree not to call each other fault. Let's just focus on the facts. Well, so, I wish you were an attorney in New York and could help my friend out with her divorce right now because it's just oh, yeah. yeah. Well, um, she should get a, a really, you know, experienced mediator to help because people will say, well, I, if I'm a good negotiator, I don't need a mediator. But that's not necessarily true because what happens is you may be a great negotiator in business, but when it's with a divorce or some family member or your kids, you know, your teenager – that's doing drugs or whatever it is, you need a third-party neutral that can keep everybody on an even keel. And it's like um, I facilitate the negotiations, and if negotiations start at any time to get out of hand, as soon as someone raises their voice, I have an Asian bell, and I just lightly hit it. And the rule that I tell them in the beginning is, Anytime I ring the bell, everybody stops talking and waits till the bell no longer sounds, which gives you about three to five seconds. And then, I, I, then I I'll love pull that. it together. Yeah, and then I'll pull it together and say, John, you were just telling us about a concern you have. So can you start again and tell us from your perspective what's going on and, and try not to blame anybody else in the room. Just, just tell us how it made you feel, how, ang- you know, how angry you are. Tell us what you're doing. But don't, let's not, uh, let's all agree that we're not going to attack or accuse or anything like that. Can okay. we all agree to that? Yeah. Because we're getting close okay. to the end of the show. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's one way to do it. <laughs> uh, and, and you and I could talk for hours and hours and hours on this, and we didn't get to talk about privacy, so... Please promise me you'll come back on the show and we'll talk about how we negotiate away our privacy. Oh, yeah. 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 And you're good at that. That's why I had you on my show. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much. But I'd love to talk about that. But you also have a webinar coming up that I just think is so brilliant. And I would love if my listeners could potentially, um, you know, listen to that webinar and how they would get in touch with you about any questions they have or if they need a mediator. 
Yeah, so I am going to do a free complimentary webinar on December 6, 2019 at 12 p.m. California time. So depending on where you are, if you're in Florida, it's going to be 3 p.m. And um, wherever you are, you can join in. All you have to do is go to uh, uh, email me at mari at marifrank.com. That's M-A-R-I at M-A-R-I-F-R-A-N-K.com or go to my website, conflicthealing.com, conflicthealing.com. And as you can also listen to my archived radio shows there where we talk about a lot of these things. But if you want to get um, on a, a Zoom interview, all you have to do is contact me at mari at marifrank.com. My assistant will send you the link, and we will do a video webinar for one hour and give you some great tools for negotiation. Thank you so much for, for doing that. You know, it's, it's a skill, and it, as you said, it's a skill you can learn and it's so much in the preparation and, and in the questions that you prepare to ask the person on the other side of the negotiation, but you, you've expressed how critical it is to ask questions of ourselves. So thank you for being on the show with me today. Well, thank you, Laura. It's always so fun to talk to you. Yeah, same here. And I'm going to have you back on and we're going to talk some more stuff. But everybody, you know, the key to negotiations is the questions you ask yourself and you ask others. So remember, the right questions can change your life. So what are you asking today? Have a great day, everyone. Hug someone you love. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today. 